may be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank you that um, we have this moment right now to just be in your presence. Thank you that you are always present. So Lord, would you help us make ourselves present to you? Would you help us open our hearts, open our minds to receive your presence? Lord, as we hear your word, may it pierce our hearts. May we be changed and transformed and leave here different from the way we came in because we met with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anyone else find waiting really difficult, just the process of waiting? I've got a really hard time with waiting. And I don't know what it is, but we believe that everything should be instantaneously for us in our lives. And the faster things change within our culture, the quicker we think we're supposed to have things available to us, or whatever that case may be. But we all have things in common that we wait for. You go to the doctor's office, you're going to what? Wait. Now, I thought I got smart along the way after many doctors visits and figured out, you know, I know how to beat the system. I'm going to get the very first appointment in the morning with the doctor. And I don't care if it's a year from now. I'll see you in one year. I want that first appointment. Very first appointment. What time is it? I'll come four o'clock in the morning. Is that the best time? Can you meet me then so I don't have to wait? I'll do anything. Anything but wait in the doctor's office. And I'll get there early. I beat the nurses, everyone in there. I beat the doctor. And what happens when I get there? I wait. I'm like, why am I waiting? I'm the first appointment. What happened? What, what's taking place? And although we'll wait. Same thing when you go to the dentist. You're going to wait no matter what. Why, why is it when it comes to traffic, we have to wait? That's where I, done, I lose my faith in traffic. Do you know I confess more of my sins on the Cross Island Southern State than I do in church? I have to become born again, again, again as I drive <laughs> down the road because I absolutely lose my mind having to wait. I, I don't understand it. I don't know what happens. I don't know why. We just can't have a meeting, get everyone together and say, listen, when you're driving the left lane, that's the passing lane. That makes people go. And in the right lane, you can go as slow as you want. Let's get all those people over to the right and all the p passing people on the left and we'll all have a better day. We won't have to wait. And then you go and, and you, you, you hit traffic and then it doesn't matter what time of day in New York, by the way. It doesn't matter. You think you're going to beat it. I'll leave 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. You try to get on that cross Bronx, good luck with that. It doesn't matter. You're going to wait. And, and you'll come to these moments and there's certain parts, we all know them in the roads and times that you hit and you're driving. All of a sudden you get stuck and it stops. It just stops. And we begin to wait. And we start thinking, how long am I going to have to wait in this line till this passes? And then in our minds, we start thinking, listen, a meteor better have fell from space and destroyed the southern state by the time I get up there because I had to wait. Something had to take place. And sure enough, all of a sudden, it just goes away. And we go by, and there was nothing there. Yet we waited. We go to supermarkets, and you go to the checkout counter. You're going to wait. Then they say, we got a solution for that, self-checkout. I wait at self-checkout. And then worse is I get to self-checkout and I mess it up and I have to get the manager to come over because I put the wrong thing on the wrong side or something. And there's a line. Now I have to wait again for them to come because I was trying to save time and I didn't want to wait. 
When we email people, we text people, we send a private message, our expectation is that you're going to respond immediately. I shouldn't have to wait. And the great prophet Tom Petty wrote in a song, waiting is the hardest part. That was a prophetic word that we would understand that truth that, yeah, waiting is hard. It's hard. And there's this expectation that we have to receive the things that we want instantaneously, right now. And we've lost sight of the fruit of being patient. We forget that's a fruit of the Spirit. Patience. And patience is waiting with grace. It enables us to live in this demanding world. That's the thing that we need. That's a fruit in our life that we need is that patience. But it's patience with grace. Patience without grace is ugly. That's dangerous. That's when we say, oh, be careful, don't, don't pray for patience. Why? Why do we say don't pray for patience? Because we know we're going to have to wait. And we're going to have to wait. And waiting with grace allows us to still have love, joy, and peace, and the, all the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it allows us. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he talked, he walked, he prayed, he ate, and stayed with his disciples. And on the 40th day, it tells us that he what? He ascended to the Father. He went back to the Father on the 40th day. And he gave a clear direction to his disciples. Jesus said, wait. Wait for the promise of my Father, and you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I think if that same thing would happen today, we wouldn't wait. I'm too busy. I don't have time to wait for that. Jesus said, you're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to wait. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you will receive a power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witness. You're going to tell everybody about what happened, what took place. This is what's going to happen. Telling people about what occurred everywhere, first in Jerusalem, then through Judea and Samaria, it's going to go to the ends of the earth. This is what's going to happen if you will go and you will wait. Jesus told his disciples to wait, be patient, and in a little while a promise will be fulfilled. How many times do we miss a promise that God has planned for our life because we were impatient and wouldn't wait? Yet he calls us to wait. And ten days after the ascension, the day of Pentecost, the 50th day that took place, something happened. And I bet you for the disciples, those ten days felt like an eternity. I bet you, oh, what's going to happen? In fear, trepidation, not knowing what's next. He's with us. He's not. He dies. He rises again. Then he left again. What are we going to do? But in obedience, they said, we'll do what he told us to do. And they went to Jerusalem and they prayed and they worshiped. And, 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 and Luke writes to us in Acts chapter 2, verse 2 through 4, suddenly. See, they were waiting, and then suddenly. Isn't that how the Lord works in our life? You know, the moment that I met him, the moment that, that I encountered who he was for the first time in my life, do you know that happened suddenly? I was waiting for something to change my life, and I didn't know what the something was. And I went to church one day, and suddenly... In that moment, suddenly, like a sound of a blowing or a violent wind came into my life. Just in that moment, that it came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separating and came to rest on each of them. All of them. Say all. all. 
all of them were filled with what? The Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That Jesus had fulfilled what he promised his disciples. This would take place. And for us to recognize today on the Feast of Pentecost that he fulfilled that very promise for the church. And this feast day is a defining moment that we're remembering 2,000 years ago was the birth of his work on earth. That's what we're part of. That's why we remember this day. That's why we are, are, are expecting, God, that you'll do these things because that happened in that moment suddenly on that day and it changed the course of the earth. That Jesus came, he died, and he rose from the dead and ascended to the Father and he said, I will send the Advocate. That there was more to come. Something next was going to happen as you wait. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And the disciples will now move from ordinary waiting to extraordinary ministry. That we wait in the ordinary. And then we move in the extraordinary. But it first comes with waiting. Tom Petty said waiting's hard. He's right. Waiting takes obedience. Waiting takes faithfulness. But he calls us to wait. And there's three promises of Pentecost. And the first promise of Pentecost is a promise of power for supernatural capability to save the souls of men. That's the first promise. As you go and wait, that you'll bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, that there's a supernatural power that will come into your life if you wait. And when you wait, suddenly in that moment, a power is going to come into your life, and that power is going to go, and that power is meant to save the souls of men. Save the souls of men and women who don't know that power, who don't know that truth, that that's going to come upon you and it's going to transform the earth. Jesus promised he would send the advocate, the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us. He promised that would happen. And here's what I know. His power leads us, convicts us, teaches us, it equips us to do his work so that we can share the gospel of that power of the gospel in others' lives. His work in us to bring that truth in others. And that's what he calls us to do. That's what he reminds us that's happening in this very moment. And we have to begin to walk in that power, knowing that power. In John uh, 14, Jesus reminds his church. Verse 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. It's almost as if Jesus was saying this. I tell you the truth. Everyone who believes in me will do the same work I have done. And he, he maybe paused. And he was like, hold on a minute. Not just the same works. They're like, well, wait a minute. We saw those works. The blind were able to see. The deaf heard. The dead rose again. Those, those were some of the works. that people heard the truth of the kingdom of God and they began to follow after you. That we saw you feed 5,000 people. We saw those works. Jesus tells them, yes, you saw those things and you will do the same works. But it's almost like he paused and he said, oh, wait a minute. Even greater works you'll do. Imagine that. That I will send the advocate, my spirit, to go into each of our lives to do not just the same works Jesus did, but that you're called to even do a greater work. Here's the greater work. The greater work is that his gospel will be brought to the ends of the earth. Through us. 
That the people of God are empowered and minister from a place of victory, not defeat. And the problem is we think we're defeated. We look around, we look at the culture, we look at things that we're up against, and we think that people are just walking away from God in droves, and somehow, some way, the church is diminishing and God's kingdom could never advance. That's not true. He already has the victory. And that we have to walk in that victory knowing we're not defeated. We're victorious. And we have his power. And his power in our life is that new wine that gets poured out in a new wineskin. The problem is, he's pouring out a new wine and we want to keep the old skin. Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit into my life, but I won't change anything. Praise you, Lord. And he goes on to describe in the parable what takes place. The new wine goes in the old skin. Guess what happens? It bursts. Why? Because it says we become a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. And when you become a new creation in Christ, you get a new skin. You become this new wineskin. And he's pouring out this new wine of his spirit in his new covenant for his church and the work that he's called us to do. And there we are expecting the new wine to come into his new wineskin and we're dragging around the old one trying to keep it. Nope, we've got to keep that. Why isn't the Spirit working in my life? Well, you got to let go of the old. Allow the new. Is the second promise of Pentecost that he gives us. It's the promise of a plan. A promise of a plan for our time, treasures, and talents to advance his kingdom. That's why he poured those out. It's a plan. God has a plan. He's not nervous. Jesus is not up there in heaven going, oh man, I can't believe it. I have no plan. What are they going to do? He has it all figured out. What he wants us to do is discover it. Discover in the time and the treasure and the talents that he's poured into each of our lives. Each of those gifts. The question becomes is, how am I reinvesting those gifts he's given me back into his kingdom to advance his purpose? How am I using my passion and my skills that he's given me? What, what, what part or what role am I playing? See, the Lord's plan is not that we use our time, treasure, and talents individually as much as it is collectively. We, we think somehow it's, it's me individually, and then we kind of forget we're called to the body of Christ, a community of believers, that we are one in Christ. And as we're one, that all those gifts are meant to come together collectively as his church. Collectively, there are those who have the gifts of apostles and prophets and teachers and miracle workers and healing and administration and helps and tongues and, and all different manifestations, and the list goes on. And not everyone gets all those gifts, but he says, no, individually, what I'm going to do is the time, treasure, and talent I pour into each of you, that those gifts would come together, that you would come together as the body of Christ. Proverbs 69 tells us we can make our plans, but what? The Lord determines our steps. He will direct our steps because he has a plan. So, Lord, I'll begin to make those plans, but Father, would you, just, would you take that direction and lead me? Because the truth is, my plans fail. My plans fail. As much and as hard as I try, often I make plans and they fail. But here's what he tells us. God's plans never fail. That's why we need his plan. That's why we need to know that his plan was the time, the treasure, the talent, the gifts that were poured into us individually were called to be used collectively. And when they come together collectively, the power of the Holy Spirit is greater within us. 
than it is individually. Third promise of Pentecost, a promise of purpose for us. And the purpose, the promise of purpose for us is to know him, love him, and serve him. Therefore, we glorify him. That you bring God glory. Did you know that? You glorify him by, by, by knowing who he is, by loving him, by responding to that very thing, that that's his purpose. And we're created for his purpose, not ours. And we're created for his purpose, not ours, that we would make him known to the world. That's the purpose that we're created, to bring him glory and knowing that, and that we would make him known to those around us. We'd make him known in our families. We'd make him known to our neighbors. We'd make him known in our workplace. We'd make him known in our communities. And by using these gifts he's given each of us is to transform all those lives around us. That was part of the outpouring and the birth of his church and the work of the Spirit in our lives. By using those gifts together, 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen what? People. You are a royal what? Priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. And that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his own wonderful light. That he's called us out of that place. That we're transformed. That we're a new creation. That we get a new wineskin for that new wine that would be poured out. And that we're chosen, that we're royal, that he's called us holy and set apart. That's what makes us different from the rest of the world. That this is a different place. When we gather in community, we are one. And when we are one, we are in that power and strength of who he is. And the world out there doesn't have what we have, but yet we're called to go to the world. Why? We're God's special possession and we have God's special purpose for each of our lives. And we got to see that and know that, 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 that he made you his own. And you're that special possession that he's made and created and shaped and formed and gifted for his very purpose. And that he's called you by name and he's brought you to that place to be part of a greater work that he has in store. That's his purpose within our lives to be manifested and used. See, his Holy Spirit was given to the church not to an individual. Scripture says that when they were in prayer and they were in worship and they gathered, they were in one accord. They were in unity together. They were as one together. That's why the enemy works overtime to divide the church. That's why he wants to tear down leadership and cause division and cause dissension within the body of Christ because he knows what happens as a result of that unity. See, without unity... In the church, we won't see the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit's work on earth. Do you hear me on that? Yes. Okay, I'm just making sure. I know, you know, maybe we get a cup of coffee soon and we'll get there. But that's, that's what happens. There's a, there's a power. There's, a, there's another place that we go when we're in one accord, when we're unified with one another, unified in our gifts collectively, not individually. But we live in a culture that wants us to remain autonomous and individual and separated from everyone else. And God, how hard it's been through the pandemic and isolation and separation and all those things. And how do we break back through into that place of community so that we could be one and in unity? And we'll use every measure possible from technology and streaming and whatever it takes that we could sustain that unity. But he calls us collectively because the greater power is in us, not in the individual. 
It's his purpose being lived out individually that makes up the church collectively. See, in his power, we're made powerful. In his plan, we are plentiful. In his purpose, we are given a purpose. So the question is this. What are we waiting for? What what am I waiting for right now? When we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we will know the Lord's perfect plan and perfect purpose for our life. Don't wait. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us the gift of your Spirit and fulfilled that promise and for each of us. And Lord, we know that you are here and you are present, but Lord, we struggle coming to meet you in that place. So for any heavy heart right now, anyone here, anyone watching online that maybe doesn't know you in that way, hasn't come to that revelation of who you are, hasn't surrendered that area or space in your life, they're trying to bring in an old wineskin and you want to make them new. Or Lord, maybe we're here today and we need to be renewed in your spirit. Whatever that case may be, Father, would you help us right now? Would you come right now to that place? And if you want to know him as your Lord and Savior, if you want to be transformed and be that new wineskin, you've got to let him into your life and pray and ask him into your life. If you're here and you just need to renew that relationship, I encourage you to pray with me. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And here's what I want you to do. If you prayed with me here in person or online, the thing we have to do is let someone know. Why? Because we do this in community. And we want to help you on a pathway of discipleship so you will walk in God's perfect power, plan, and purpose for your life. Amen? Amen. Please stand. We're going to affirm our faith in the Nicene Creed.